0: So you're probably wondering, why am I talking about Palm Sunday? It's Palm Sunday next week. Actually, this is kind of, that's true. What we're going to do is we're going to talk about Palm Sunday today. Next week, I want to talk about Good Friday. Then the following week, we're going to talk about Easter, the resurrection of Jesus. So you're kind of getting Palm Sunday a little bit early. And uh, that's good though, because I have, some of you probably are like, I don't even know really what Palm Sunday is. Some of you might be new to Jesus, new in your faith and not exactly sure. Maybe some of you are like, You know, we talk about Palm Sunday a lot, but I'm really not sure the significance of it. So that's great. We're going to talk about it early because my goal is that all of us will leave today with a new understanding of what Palm Sunday is all about and a new anticipation of what Palm Sunday is all about. Because I think when you look at Palm Sunday and you see all the details woven through it, you recognize even more how much God loves us. You see all the... uh, the, the, You see these little details of what he did to come and rescue us from our sins. And it just helps you fall in love with God even more. And you know, the Apostle John talks about that. The more you love God, the easier it is to follow him. And so I hope that we all get that out of Palm Sunday. We all recognize what God has done for us and just causes our hearts to be more stirred. And also, Palm Sunday helps us ask three questions that help us to examine where we are and where we stand with our faith. So before we go any farther, I want to read uh, the scripture from John 12, 12 through 19, and it's about Jesus' entry into the city. So it says, On the next day, the news that Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem swept through the city. A large crowd of Passover visitors took palm branches and went down the road to meet him. They shouted, praise God, blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord, hail to the king of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and rode on it, fulfilling the prophecy that said, don't be afraid, people of Jerusalem, look, your donkey is coming, riding, or look, your king is coming. <laughs> Whoops. All right. We'll start over. Y'all go home and be, what was your sermon about? (laughs) Never forget everything else I said. All right, don't be afraid, people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming, riding on a donkey's colt. His disciples didn't understand at the time that this was a fulfillment of prophecy. But after Jesus entered into his glory, they remembered what had happened and realized that these things had been written about. Many in the crowd had seen Jesus calling Lazarus from the tomb, raising him from the dead, and they were telling others about it. That was the reason so many went out to meet him because they had heard about this miraculous sign. Then the Pharisees said to each other, there's nothing we can do. Look, everyone has gone after him. So before we can understand Palm Sunday, I think it's important that we understand what is this whole event of Passover all about. See, one of the most one of the most significant themes all through Scripture is how God continues to rescue His chosen people, and in the Old Testament, the Israelites over and over and over again. That God always has a plan of restoration, no matter what kind of trouble the Israelites got into. And so we talk a lot about the Israelites, how they got freed from Egypt, and how they crossed the Red Sea. But before they got freed from Egypt, their their, their nation has been in captivity in Egypt for over 400 years. And God raises up Moses to set the people free. But the problem is the Pharaoh of Egypt doesn't want to let the people go. So God displays his power by sending 10 plagues on the nation of Israel. And he finally gets to the, ne- the last, the 10th plague. And the, the Pharaoh finally decides to let the Israelites go. And what the 10th plague was is that God said, look, all of your firstborn sons are going to die unless, unless... You find a lamb, sacrifice the lamb, and take his blood and paint it over your doorpost. And in that case, your home will be shed, will be protected from the angel of death. And so all the Israelites followed, and they sacrificed the lamb. They took the blood, painted over the door. But the people in the Egyptian country didn't do it, and they woke up in the morning to a catastrophe. And so the Pharaoh finally said, this is enough, and he let the Israelites go. And that's how they got out. And so to this day, the nation of Israel and the Jewish culture still remembers this day, and they call it Passover. And it's simply called Passover because in the Hebrew, the word simply means to pass over or to spare somebody or skipping over. And that's what Passover is all about. And you might be wondering, why a lamb? See, back thousands of years ago, God was teaching the whole principle of substitution, He was teaching the principle of redemption through substitution, that something had to die for your sins. Something had to die in your place. And so Passover, the Feast of Passover, introduces this whole theme that something has to die in place of your sins. And in this case, it was a lamb. So then you wonder, how does Palm Sunday fit into this? Because Palm Sunday is technically five days before Jesus was crucified. See, since Jesus was a Jew... Since Jesus was a Jew, he was going to go into Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. That was part of the Jewish law. Every Jewish person had to go into the city of Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. So Jesus is required by law. He went into the city along with all the other Jewish people. And some some scholars say 200,000 people went. Some say about a million people went. Whatever it was, it's a large number of people coming into the small town of Jerusalem. So the festival of Passover was basically for three reasons. The first is you were there to remember what God had done in the past to get the nation of Israel out of Egypt. So you're there to remember. And then you're there to thank God for what he has done. And the third reason you're there is because it's time to sacrifice another lamb. Each year, the males of the head of the house would go into the city and they would bring a spotless lamb with them and they would sacrifice the lamb Uh, annually to atone for the sins for the previous year so that's why everybody's coming into jerusalem because they know that they have to remember what god has done thank him for what he's done and sacrifice a new lamb but there's something else that's going on that's the reason people are going in but there's something else that's going on with the people see the israelites once again are now oppressed this time they're oppressed by the roman empire Before, they were oppressed by the Egyptians. They got out of that situation. Now they're living in the Roman Empire, and things are kind of looking about the same as they did before. They're in a really hard position. See, they're ruled by Caesar. We hear the name Caesar all through the the, um, story of Easter. And they're under the government of Herod, and they're corrupted by many Jewish leaders, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And there's a lot of oppression going on. And to make it worse, the Roman Empire is a very, very pagan nation. And the goal of the Roman Empire is that anybody who's following Jesus, they don't want them to do that. They want them to follow the ways of Caesar. So on one hand, the Jews are all there to sacrifice and to give thanks to God. But on the other hand, they are there because they desperately, desperately are hoping that this Jesus person they're hearing about might be the Savior that is going to release them from the power of the Roman Empire. So all these Jewish people are coming into this Passover celebration with this little extra anticipation like maybe Jesus is the one who's going to free us from the Roman Empire. And we all kind of know that feeling. We all know the feeling. You're in that place between thankful for God, for what he's done in the past. You're excited for what God's going to do in the future for eternal life. But then you have the situation about what about right now? What about the hard things that are going on right now? And that's what the Jewish people are thinking about. They're like, great God, I'm glad for what you did in the past. I'm glad for what you're going to do in the future. But you need to, I need help right now. So they have this anticipation, the expectation of what Jesus is going to do. But some of their expectations are not that accurate. So that's what the Israelites are feeling inside. God, would you do something for me? But then the personal situation is in the midst of this bigger situation where you have Caesar who's controlling the Roman Empire, and he is a pretty corrupt guy. He's kind of a bit of a narcissist. He likes to have the people follow him. And so during that day, it's almost like a state religion where they kind of force the people in the Roman Empire to submit and to serve Caesar. And so during that time, during that culture of that day, many people would refer to Caesar as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He actually tried to carry that name, and some people referred to him as that. And Caesar also kind of developed this 12-day Advent season where people would come and worship him, and they would bring sacrifices to Caesar so he would forgive their sins, So Caesar likes this title. He likes being the king of kings and the lord of lords. This is who he wants to be. And he's hearing all this talk of this guy, Jesus, that claims to be the savior of the world. That people are using the title for Caesar, they're using it on Jesus, and that doesn't make Caesar very happy. So Caesar's in charge of the entire Roman Empire. And then you have... Pontius Pilate, who's more of the government, the governor of, the Jew, the, of Jerusalem. And so they're both worried about what is going to happen. What are these people that are kind of starting to follow Jesus? What's going to happen if they all follow Jesus? Are they going to stop following uh, Caesar? So with all this activity going on, Pilate decides, well, we better send in the whole Roman army to kind of surround this whole situation. Because Pilate's idea is, okay, if these people are going to revolt, If they're going to start following Jesus, we're going to come against them and we're going to force them to follow Caesar. So that's kind of what's going on in the environment at that day. You got this whole political unrest that Caesar's now worried people are going to deflect and they're going to go worship Jesus. So this is the stage. Caesar thinks he's the savior of the world. He thinks he's the one that can forgive sins. Pilate needs to keep the Jews in submission, so he sends this big army to watch over all of the people that are kind of starting to follow Jesus. And the Jews want to be freed from the Roman Empire, and then you have the Pharisees and Sadducees who just basically want to kill Jesus. So this is what's going on, and then Jesus on that Palm Sunday gets on the back of a donkey and rides into town. And you would think, well, kind of big deal. What's the controversy? He's just riding into town on the back of a donkey. Why is this creating so much tension? Why is this creating so much attention? See, in the Roman Empire, if a person rode into town on a horse, that would mean they come for war. That mean they came to, to battle. But if you rode on the back of a donkey, it means you're coming in peace, and Jesus comes in peace. So what's the big controversy? See, the first question that Palm Sunday helps us to answer is, who is going to be your Lord? Because there's this tension and confusion going on. Are you going to follow Caesar, or are you going to follow Jesus? And it's really no different than it is today. Are you, Caesar more represents the ways of the world. Are you going to follow the ways of the world or are you actually going to follow Jesus? And that is the situation that everybody that day was faced with. Who are you going to follow? Are you going to follow Jesus? Are you going to follow Caesar? And surrounding the question that you have as a Roman Empire army trying to make you follow Caesar. And so that's a question all of us need to answer. Who is going to be your Lord? So you might think, okay, what is the big deal about Jesus riding on a donkey? Why is this creating so much tension? See, the reason that it's a big deal is because of the reaction of the people. See, the same is true today. People really don't mind talking about Jesus until people actually start following him. That's where the trouble comes in. When you start following Jesus, that's where other people start getting critical of you. They don't mind to talk if there's a Jesus over there, but they don't want you to follow him, and that's the exact same thing that's happened on Palm Sunday because the first thing that the people that were going to follow Jesus are doing is they're waving palm branches, and the second thing that they're doing is they're shouting, Hosanna. It sounds pretty innocent, but you read in Leviticus 20 through. 23 verse 40 and it says on the first day gather branches from the magnificent trees palm fronds from leafy trees and willows that grow by the streams then celebrate with joy before the lord your god for seven days so they are worshiping the lord by waving palm fronds so why is it upsetting the romans so much Because, see, the Roman army is remembering that 150 years earlier, when the Israelites defeated some of the Roman army, how the Israelites celebrated was was by waving palm fronds. So the Roman Empire is thinking, okay, these these people, they're, they're a little rebellious here. Why are they waving palm fronds? What are they doing? They're misunderstanding what the people are doing. And that happens so often in our culture. When you're trying to worship the Lord, a lot of people think you're just in rebellion. They don't understand what you're doing because it looks different and they're misunderstanding what you're doing. And so the second thing that the Jews are doing that's creating tension is that they are saying Hosanna. See, Hosanna simply means... There I am. All right. So they're shouting, Hosanna. And so Hosanna simply means, um, God save us. So while they're waving their palm fronds, they're saying, God save us. So the whole Roman Empire thinks these people are staging a revolution. They are staging, they're rebellious, and they're going to come against the whole Roman Empire. So they're nervous. But the interesting thing is, their leader is riding into town on a donkey. He's riding into peace, and he has no army. But yet, the Roman Empire is all nervous and wondering what this guy Jesus is going to do. And that brings us to the second question that Palm Sunday asks us is that, are you actually going to follow Christ? See, it's one thing to ask the question, who are you going to follow? Are you going to follow the world or are you going to follow Jesus? But then the next question is, are you actually going to follow Christ? See, some people say that Jesus is their Lord. They say, Yeah, I'm following Jesus, but sometimes there is absolutely no evidence in their life that they actually are following Jesus. See, part of the normal Christian life is to live a life of repentance. And Palm Sunday reminds us of the importance of repentance, it reminds us of the sacrifice that was made by Jesus to pay for our sins. But it also reminds us of what you had to do prior to having Jesus in your life. See, prior to this being called Palm Sunday, and got named Palm Sunday that Jesus rode into town on, on, on a donkey, but before that, the day was called Lamb Selection Day. Because the Passover celebration started on Lamb Selection Day. And that was the day that the families would find their lamb that they would buy or purchase or get somehow that would become the lamb that would be sacrificed for that family. See, every year the families would have to come into Jerusalem and then during Passover, and they would have to bring a lamb with them that would be sacrificed. And we read that in Exodus 12, verse 16. 3 to 6, it says, Announce to the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, each family must choose a lamb or a young goat for a sacrifice, one animal for each household. If a family is too small to eat a whole animal, let them share with another family in the neighborhood. Divide the animal according to the size of each family and how much they can eat. The animal you select must be a one-year-old male, either a sheep or a goat with no defects. Take a... Take special care of this chosen animal until the evening of the 14th day of the first month. Then the whole assembly of the community of Israel must slaughter their lamb or their young goat at twilight. And this was the plan. And it's no coincidence that this lamb, your family lamb, would be sacrificed on the exact same day that Jesus would die on the cross. See, the lamb that you would select And now Jesus becomes the Lamb of God. See, for the Jewish family, you had to slaughter a lamb each year to atone for your sins in the past. It wasn't an option. It was mandatory requirement if you were going to be a Jewish family that you would have to sacrifice that lamb each year. And see, from the beginning, God wanted us to understand the importance of repentance. Repentance. And so what would have happened if Jesus never came to die on the cross and raised from the dead? What if we're still waiting for that? That would mean as followers of God, we would be coming to church next week with our little lamb that would have to be sacrificed. It's interesting, and you look in history, where did these little lambs come from that many families would purchase to be sacrificed? Some families, you could raise your own lamb, but most of the families, if they didn't have a that ability, you would buy a lamb, and most people would buy it from Bethlehem, because in Bethlehem, they had these big uh, big um, shepherds that would raise lambs that were specially prepared to be perfect and spotless, that could be part of the sacrifice. And so it's interesting that you find Jesus, who would become the lamb of God that was born in Bethlehem, that many people would purchase their lamb from Bethlehem. See, I love that little bits, these little details, because you see none of these are coincidences. You see how much God has worked in every single little detail to bring salvation to the world. Sometimes I think we can easily overlook all these little details, but God, the Palm Sunday just reminds us of how much God is intimately involved in the little details of our life to bring resolution to work things out together for good. See, sometimes our situation in life, we get so focused on, I think sometimes, to look at Palm Sunday and you see how God is involved in every detail for our good. It can be very encouraging. So then when you got your lamb, you'd have to bring the lamb into the city. You do that on Palm Sunday. On Palm Sunday, everybody is bringing their lamb into the city at the same time Jesus is coming into the city on the back of a donkey, that the Lamb of God are coming into the city on the exact same day. And a lot of Jewish historians believe that Jesus entered into the city through the sheep gate. You know, Jerusalem's a walled city, and there's a, there's a gate for the sheep that they would all came in, and a lot of scholars believe that Jesus came in through that exact same gate. And so the third question that I think Palm Sunday helps us to focus on and remember is, do you take Jesus wherever you go? Because for that family, when you came into the city with your lamb on Palm Sunday, you had five days before that lamb would be slaughtered on Good Friday, or that would be actually be called the day Passover. You had five days, and that lamb had to be with you everywhere you went that lamb was with you 24 hours for those five days and it kind of reminds us is jesus with us everywhere we go do we take jesus into every single situation in our life or do we kind of leave him out of some situations And Palm Sunday is a good day to reflect on that because Palm Sunday is all about Jesus coming in to bring wholeness and to be your personal Savior and your Deliverer. And to ask ourselves, are we allowing Jesus, the Lamb of God, to come into every situation in our life where we need Him? Or do we kind of keep Him out of some situations in our life when we try to separate You know, in the Gospel of Luke, it goes on to uh, record some additional um, information on Palm Sunday. And um, in Luke 19, verse 41, it talks about what Jesus was experiencing as he came into the city. And it says in Luke 19, 41, it says, As Jesus approached Jerusalem, he saw the city. He wept over it and said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The day will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on all sides. They will dash you to the ground, you and your children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. It's interesting that Jesus is coming into the city on the back of a donkey, and the scriptures record that he he started to weep. He started to weep, and we read these words, and you wonder, why is he weeping? See, he's weeping because some of the people, while they were excited that Jesus was coming into town, while they're excited saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, Jesus is weeping because he's saying some of the people have no idea why he came. See, so many at that time thought, Jesus, what we need you to do is to defeat Caesar. If you defeat Caesar, you defeat Pilate, we're going to be okay. And that's what we want you to do. Basically, they are saying, Jesus, I have two problems in my life. You take care of those and I'll be good to go. And Jesus is weeping because that's not his plan to defeat Caesar and to defeat Pilate. Instead, Jesus is coming. He's saying, I want to be your personal Lord. I want to bring deliverance to you and so many of the people missed what Jesus was doing and Jesus is weeping because he knows some people will not follow him because they would be discouraged that Jesus isn't doing exactly what they wanted him to do see the people of that day had two choices you can follow the ways of the world you can go the way the world is leading and follow the pagan culture of the day or you can follow Jesus's plans And the people were recognizing that if I I follow Jesus' plans, some people aren't going to like it very much. I'm getting a lot of feedback from people that aren't liking my plans to follow Jesus. And I'm watching the world come against me and say, no, you're not going to do that. You're going to follow the ways of the world. And that was the tension of that day. That was the tension of the day that the people had to decide, do I really want to make Jesus the Lord of my life? The first question that we have, do I really want to make Jesus the Lord of my life? And I think that's why one of the reasons I like Palm Sunday and this, this, this season that we go to, into right now Because the Jewish nation, they had to come to the temple every year to make that sacrifice for the lamb. Because sometimes what happens during the year is your focuses get off, your allegiances get off, and sometimes it's good to take a pause and say, where am I in my relationship with the Lord? And that's what Palm Sunday is about, recognizing where do I stand with the Lord. Number one, is he still the Lord of my life or am I following something else? And number two, am I actually following Christ? Am I doing what he says to do? Am I living a life of repentance? Am I seeking to put him first in all things? Or are there some things of the world that are distracting me? And finally, do we take Jesus wherever we go? Are we taking Jesus into every single situation of our life that we need him? Today, we're gonna close today in communion. In communion, we're gonna celebrate kind of like Passover, we celebrate what God has done and we give thanks for what he's done and we're going to celebrate what he's going to do in the future. But all of us are in that in-between season, that now season of our life. And some of us come in this now season and we're happy. Things are going great for us. And some are come to this now season of Easter and things have been hard. Things have been difficult. Things have been challenging. And so we come with gratefulness for what God has done, but also anticipation for what He can do next. See, I often wonder, what would it have been like to be an Israelite during the day of the ten plagues? That had to have been pretty Difficult. Your nation has been in captivity for 400 years. 400 years you are slaves to the Egyptians. And they're not very nice. They make you work long and hard and you're tired. But you remember of hearing stories about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and the good plans that God had for your ancestors. And you're wondering, God, where are you now? And so I think for a lot of the Israelites, that's a hard place of reconciling things. God, you have good plans, but yet I'm stuck in slavery. But then you hear news that Moses is coming to town, and he's going to be the one that the Lord is going to use to deliver the people from from Pharaoh. But you also hear Pharaoh doesn't have that great of a track record. I mean, Moses doesn't have that good of a record. And some people are wondering about Moses because he's not the best speaker and that this is the one that the Lord chooses to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt. And so you're kind of wondering, how is this all going to work, God? Do you really have a plan that's going to work? And that's probably what a lot of the Israelites were thinking, is your plan going to really work? Because you think, okay, Moses is going to go to Pharaoh and he's going to say to Pharaoh, okay, let the people go. And you just expect Pharaoh's going to say, of course I will. But they had to go through 10 plagues. The scripture even tells us that God said to Moses beforehand, I'm going to send you to Pharaoh and you're going to tell Pharaoh to let the people go and Pharaoh's going to say no. You're like, wait a minute, God. You knew in advance that this isn't going to work out. Why did we have to run this course? Those are kind of hard things to figure out. Why? And so I think sometimes during Passover and during Good Friday and during Palm Sunday, we ask ourselves questions of why. And we want answers. And it's great to ask why. Why? But sometimes God doesn't answer always the why questions. Instead, instead of always answering why, he likes to show solutions. Sometimes you and you ask why. See what the solution God's showing you. See, I think my favorite plague. And this is a weird thing to say, the favorite one. I like the ninth plague darkness. I think that's an interesting plague, and I think the ninth plague shows us God's solution in so much of the questions of life. It's hard to give one answer to figure it out, but I think sometimes God shows us bits and pieces of solution throughout the scripture. And I think the ninth plague gives a good understanding, or part of the understanding, See, in the ninth plague, God says to Moses, He said, These people of Egypt are not going to let you go, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to cover the entire nation in complete darkness. And the scripture says, It was so dark you could feel it.
1: See, I don't think they could feel it with their
0: hands, I think they could feel it in their soul, they could feel it in their spirit just complete darkness. And the text talks about all the Egyptians could not even see each other. It was so dark. And sometimes we go through dark seasons. And you wonder, see, I like what the text also tells us. It tells us that the Israelites had light. It says in the midst of all the darkness covering the land, that the Israelites had light. And I think it's a picture of how we as followers of Jesus Christ always have light. Yeah. Because Jesus is the light of the world. Yeah. And because Jesus is the light of the world, we have hope. Yeah. And that's what the Israelites had thousands of years ago. In the midst of darkness, they had hope. And hope is what helped them, rekindle them, For what God is going to do in the future. Maybe it's not a perfect answer for why, but it helps you see the solution that God always has for you.